Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Amazing. Follow that, she says. So there we go. There's an introduction I've never had ever in my 25 years of speaking on a stage, living on a prayer, Bon Jovi. Uh, some of you are there getting back to your 80s and where's my wig and the big mullet that he would have. Um, if I could have a table, that'd be awesome. I was going to carry stuff. Um, yeah, Bon Jovi. There's a little moment for us all. Living on a prayer. It's all about a young couple trying to live on a very little amount of money. But we're going to talk about prayer today. John Bon Jovi's often been interviewed about that song, and he says the words, he said, you know, my song is never meant to be a denominational prayer. It's always meant to be for everybody. And it was meant to be this idea that each one of us can pray. Did you know that people who don't know God pray? People who don't know God pray. Um, the Guardian newspaper ran a, an article last year that said these things. Over half of all adults in the UK admit to praying. Over 50% of all adults in the UK admit to pray. Most of them pray for their family, some because they want to thank God, and some because they're looking for healing of some kind of illness. Most people, over half of all adults in the UK, pray. But only a small percentage would say they would call themselves Christians or go to church regularly. One of the sad statistics they actually put in the report was said that people who would call themselves Christians... Only 27%, sorry, not only, 27% of those who, were, who said they were Christians said that they never pray. About a quarter of all Christians go, I don't really pray. It, that's fascinating, isn't it? If the whole purpose of a Christian faith is a relationship with God which requires communication, and that is prayer, and yet a quarter of all people who call themselves Christians don't pray. One of the one of the people who was interviewed, a guy called Henry, age 64, he wasn't a Christian, says this. He said, I pray every night. I kneel by my bed, and despite, he said, not being religious, he said, I worry a lot. Is it some kind of insurance policy that I do this for? Is it superstition, or maybe it's something real? When he was asked if he believed in God, he said, I don't know, but I would describe myself as at the skeptical end of agnosticism. I certainly wouldn't classify myself as religious. He said, I recite the Lord's Prayer every day, and I ask for my loved ones to be safe and well. Someone who doesn't believe in God prays every day using the Lord's Prayer. I wonder why we pray. Do you pray? And if you pray, how do you pray? Jesus prayed regularly. Mark's Gospel in the Bible says that very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up to pray. How's everyone's feeling about their prayer life right now? It gets easier the closer you get to winter, I find, because it's darker, isn't it? So it's like a bit later you can get up. But when it was still dark, Jesus would get up and leave the house and go off to a solitary place where he prayed. The Son of God prayed. Nicky Gumbel writes these words, Prayer is the most important activity of our lives. It is the way in which we develop a relationship with our Father in heaven. Jesus prayed and he taught us to do the same. 
Prayer brings us peace, refreshes our soul, satisfies our spiritual hunger, and assures us of our forgiveness. Prayer not only changes us, it also changes situations. God answers prayer. Prayer is really important. And we're going to be using, as part of our teaching series, we're going to be doing a series on prayer called How to Pray. And um, I've been really impacted by this book. This is called How to Pray uh, by Pete Gregg. And uh, we'll be using some of this book. Um, All of your Connect Group leaders have been given a book before the summer. I hope they've started, if not finished, reading it. It's a fantastic book on prayer. It's a really useful guide. We're going to use some of the principles from this book. For those who don't know Pete Gregg, Pete Gregg is the founder of the movement 24-7 Prayer, uh, which has been going for some over 20 years now. And in every nation in the world, people are gathered to pray within 24 hours a day, seven days a week. At any one time, someone is praying as part of the 24-7 Prayer movement. And I don't know what it's like for you, how you pray. I don't know how you choose to pray. When do you pray? What do you pray? What time of day do you pray? How do you pray? Do you do daily prayer? Do you have routines? Do you have systems? Or is it a bit ad hoc on a, you know, wherever you feel like it? I wonder how you pray. Some of the topics we're going to cover this next few weeks, we're going to talk about having a regular daily quiet time. Remember that phrase we used to use? We're going to talk about quiet time. We're going to talk about speaking in tongues and praying in tongues. You might think maybe that went quiet after the 80s, or is that still really a thing? Uh, We're going to talk about fasting. Is that a tool we use or is it just some sort of dieting system? We're going to talk about how do we cope when our prayers seem to go unanswered. That's real. That's honest. How do we do that? We're going to talk about how we recognize the very presence of God in our prayer life and how we respond to that. We're going to talk about how we should engage in spiritual warfare and intercession. What do those words even mean? We're going to talk about how um, we can make sure our prayer meetings are not boring. Because people think those two words, three words, go together. Prayer meetings and boring. I think God didn't design communication with the almighty God who created heaven and earth to be dull. And yet somehow we've characterized prayer meetings as a dull activity of Christian faith. It should be exactly the opposite. It should be the thing we can't wait to participate in because we get to commune with God. What an incredible thought. And yet somehow the devil has allowed us to squeeze that into language as our prayer meeting. It's a secondary thing. It's the last thing we have to do if we've really got nothing better to do. That's never the story. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks' time. And then we're going to finish with two words that do go together. We're going to have a prayer celebration. We're going to have a prayer celebration. We're going to spend a morning in prayer together as a church. And I tell you, it's going to be a great Sunday. I'm already excited by the bit. I mean, it's, it's like two months away. But I'm already excited about that bit because we're going to spend time praying together. But today, I don't want us to learn about prayer. Just a bit we heard on the videos now. This is not about how to teach people more about prayer. I want this teaching series to be enabling us to pray. I want us to be a church that prays. I want you to be people that pray. I don't want us just to be a, a church that knows more about prayer. And we're going to pray today. I'm not just going to talk about prayer. We're actually going to spend some time praying And I'm going to give you a very straightforward acronym that is the simplest one you've ever used before in your life. Guarantee it. And we're going to talk a bit about the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is probably the most famous prayer in history. I learnt the Lord's Prayer in Cub Scouts. Every single week, 
after we said, our okay, Caleb, we'll do our best, we then did the Lord's Prayer every single week. That's why I learned the Lord's Prayer. It wasn't in church. It was in Cub Scouts. It's one of the most famous prayers in history, crafted by Jesus himself. And as part of this series on prayer, we're also going to be, we've encouraged all of our connect groups to be running a program called the Prayer Course. The Prayer Course is an eight-week course that looks at the Lord's Prayer over eight weeks. It pulls out different sections, and each week you'll learn a different piece of the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to cover that in the different connect groups. And if you're not in a connect group, you think, I'd like to be in a group, you can either join an existing connect group, or there are three extra groups we put on this um, in two weeks' time, or um, not this week, coming the following week. You can join another group. You can go to the next steps um, point at the back there, or you can sign up online or church suite, or you know how it works. Get yourselves to a group, and let's learn about prayer and then pray together. So I encourage you to get on that prayer course, which is starting just a couple weeks' time. So Luke 11, uh, verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, John's teaching his disciples, can you teach us the way you do? Because you keep going off when it's dark. And you keep running away into quiet places. And you keep speaking to someone. What are you doing? Teach us how to pray. And then if we jump to Matthew 6, which is the more traditional version of the Lord's Prayer, he says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts or sins. I always struggle with trespasses. Anyone else? I always thought that was like when you stepped onto a farmer's field, that you were trespassing. Forgive us our trespasses. I thought, how does God know that I've been onto a farmer's field and not got shot or the bull didn't run at me? I was worried about that as a child. Um, so it's give us our debts or our sins or our trespasses, whichever version you remember, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Famous words I'm sure many of you will recognize. Here's a couple of well-known people who've got some quotes here for you. Martin Luther said this. Um, Martin Luther was a guy who brought the Reformation to the church 500 years ago, and he said these words, To this day, I am nursing myself on the Lord's prayer like a child, and I'm still eating and drink of it, drinking of it like an old man without getting bored of it. Martin Luther, the famous reformist, went, the Lord's prayer is really important. N.T. Wright, a very well-known theologian, says these words, the Lord's prayer correctly understood, is one of the high roads into the central mystery of Christian salvation and experience. The Lord's Prayer is powerful. And then lastly, by Timothy Jones, he said this, to cultivate a deeper prayer life, all you have to do is say the Lord's Prayer, but just take an hour to do it. That slowly you work your way through. What did Jesus mean when he said, our Father who art in heaven? Hallowed be your name. We're going to cover some of that in just a minute. Maybe you, what well, we all do, we all struggle at some point in our Christian life. We have these moments where things don't go the way we want them to go. We've heard some stories this morning of, of answered prayer. And maybe you're sitting there going, oh, I wish that was my story. But my story is not what everyone else's story. I feel like I'm stumbling around in the dark, that my prayers are getting lost in the midst, and everyone else's prayers are getting answered. I don't know if you ever feel like that. You don't match up to what everyone else is going on. We have this viewpoint that everyone else's world is perfect. 
And our Christian narrative is always a struggle. I wonder what you think when you look at other people. Because I believe that's how Jesus' followers felt when they turned to him and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. We're seeing what you're doing, Jesus. You're doing all the miracles. You're walking on water. You're feeding the thousands. And you're praying. Lord, teach us how to pray. Would you show us how to do that? And I want us to look at the Lord's Prayer, but use this acronym that I'm going to show to you in just a moment. The best piece of advice I've ever been given about prayer, I love this, is keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. Keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. I think sometimes people don't pray because it gets complicated, becomes complex. We're not sure of the rules. We're not sure how we should behave. I think God, our Father, just wants to hang out with his kids. And he's like, would you just, would you just try talking to me? I don't care how you do it, when you do it, but please have a go. Imagine being a father that is desperate to hear from his children who are so worried about how to pray. They just don't. Come and just hang out in my presence for a little while. Be with me. Keep it simple. Keep it real. Keep it up. So this is probably the most simple way of praying I've ever experienced. Are you ready for this? You might be thinking, are we, are we in Sunday school, Sim? No, this is adult school, but we're okay with this. I've got an acronym for you. This comes from Pete Gregg, and the acronym is simply this, PRAY. P-R-A-Y. How are we doing so far? We could probably remember that, can't we? That's a winner. P-R-A-Y. This is how you pray. First of all, P is for pause. When we come to God, it's important that we just stop for a moment. I think in our Western world, we are bad at this. I am bad at this. When I pause, my mind doesn't. Anyone else? Just me? When I stop and I, I have a routine of prayer and I come down every morning in my, and I sit in a particular space, a seat in my room, in my study, and I, I look out the window, I try and pause. But I often look at the gardener, what he's doing, I Look at animals that run around, and I, I, you know, I look, I look at things need tidying up and sorting out. My mind thinks about the day ahead or the day that's just gone, and I struggle to pause. But it's important when we come into communication with God, we just press the pause button for a moment. Jesus said, "When you pray, take yourself off somewhere, get quiet, get silent. When, not if or how, but when you pray. To start, we must stop. We must pause." to move into deeper prayer. Get rid of your prayer list. Sit on it. Instead, focus your attention upon God. Be still and know that I am God, says the psalmist. To be present, to be still, to be silent, to be with God. It prepares us for connecting with God when we pause. We need to do that more. P is for pause. R is for rejoice. Rejoice. The important part of prayer is not that we ask God for stuff. The important part of prayer is that we start by going, hallowed be your name. We worship you. We thank you. We adore you. We recognize that you are the provider of all things. I heard this story about this lady and she was a staunch atheist. She did not believe that God could possibly exist. And then she had a baby. And she says she had this moment where the baby was a few weeks old and was lying in its cot asleep. 
and she went in, as many parents do, to check that the baby was still okay. And she was just feeling so grateful. And she was standing in the dark, look at this small child asleep, and she thought, I've, I need to say thank you to someone. I can't just see what this amazing gift I've got is and have no response. And she starts saying thank you to a God she doesn't believe in. And she committed her life to Christ in her baby's bedroom, going, I don't know who you are, but I'm so grateful. And that, be- that became a start of her journey into Christian faith because she thought, I cannot live my life and not be grateful for what I've got. It's important we thank God as part of our time of prayer. Hallowed be your name, our Father in heaven. I know for me personally, if, if I feel far from God, the thing I like to do is to reconnect by by going and walking and seeing something of God's creation. There's something about when you sit there and you observe the stars in the sky. Or you go for a walk and you see the trees, you see the the plants, you see God's creation, you see the water running, you see even, I, I love to sit there and watch a fire. There's something about, wow, God, you are amazing. Creative, God. We start by saying, thank you. We start by adoring. The Lord's Prayer starts with an invitation to adoration. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You're special. You're important. We love you. So having become still and pausing, our most natural response is one of rejoicing and thanking. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'm going to say it. (laughs) Rejoice. We say, God, you're awesome. We love you. We want to thank you. Apparently, according to a survey, grateful people are the most healthy people. So if if you get nothing out of this at all, you think, I want to be more healthy, start by being grateful. Saying, God, we are so thankful for all you've done in our lives. P is for pause. R is for rejoice. A is for ask. Yes, we get to that point. Ask. The prayer list can come back out again. Ask. Prayer means many things to many people, but for most people, in its simplest form, it's this idea we get to ask God for something. For many people, this is all they think prayer is. There's, that God is some kind of, you know, kind of heavenly slot machine. We make requests and we get stuff back out of him. He's like a fairy godmother. That he provides all our needs as long as we just ask him for stuff. And it's more than that, but it's part of it, that we ask God. A parent praying for their child, a fan praying for their football team, a driver praying for their journey, a potential employee praying before their interview, a student praying before their exam, a patient praying before their operation. Prayer and asking go together. I remember one of our children were really young. We used to encourage them to pray for people. And we'd say, you need to pray for someone. Who do you want to pray for? Who do we pray that God would bless? And one of our children had a lovely prayer they used to say. They used to say, dear God, I pray for all the people I do know. And I pray for all the people I don't know. Amen. <laughs> kind of covers it, doesn't it? I was like, that, that's probably most people then covered, sorted. And I love that sort of idea. But who are you praying for? What are you asking for? What is your desperate need right now? God wants to hear your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread whether we're asking for ourselves and we're petitioning God say God would you change my circumstances or whether interceding on behalf of someone else and we're praying for others Matthew 7 says ask 
and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. What are you asking God for? It's part of our prayer life. P is for pause. R is for rejoice. And A is for ask. And lastly, why? Yield. To yield to God. And I think this is something we struggle with because we want God, we want you to do what we want you to do. But the Lord's Prayer finishes with lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. Forgive us our sins. We forgive those who sin against us. Your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. Yielding to God, saying, God, you are all powerful. As Lottie was saying earlier, when we come to the end of our time of worship, we want to surrender to God. We're not here to tell God what he should do. We say, God, here are all of the things we'd love you to do. But now we surrender to you and say, God, your will be done. Because yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. Forever. Amen. I was uh, spending some time this week praying and, and reading um, a well-known passage of scripture, Ezekiel 37. And God really spoke to me. That, that's a well-known passage, this image that the prophet Ezekiel has of a valley of dry bones. And the bones are just laid out. And, in, and as the, the prophecy kind of continues, God shows this image to Ezekiel, a very strange image. He said, in front of my eyes, the bones were collecting together and bodies were forming and flesh was being attached to the bones and what looked like human beings were being created in front of me. But then the breath of God came and gave life to those bodies. And I think sometimes Freedom Church and the church journey, what we try and do is we take the dry bones and we try and fix them together. We try to make it look okay. We try to make it look human. We try to make it look like the idea that God had in the first place. But we need to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit. And we say we trust you. And we allow the breath of God to come onto our good ideas. And we say, God, we put our trust in you. We say, God, whatever your plans, your will, not mine, be done. Think of the image of a, a clenched fist that slowly lets go and says, okay, God, I yield my dreams, my ideas, my best thoughts. And I say, God, I give them to you. It's the final step on this process to surrender, to say, not my will, but yours be done. That moment where, if you've ever been with friends or family on the beach as the sun sets and everyone's attention gets drawn and we just exhale and go, oh, God, at the beginning and the end of the day, we're reminded that you are the one that holds everything together. We yield to God's presence through prayer. We yield to his holiness through confession and reconciliation. We yield to his power through spiritual warfare. Yield is part of our prayer life. I urge you, says Romans 12, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, surrendering to God our prayers, because it's when we're empty of ourselves that we are filled with God's spirit. We yield our lives in prayer so our lives can once again become a prayer. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.